I have the great privilege of starting a brand new series. I'm so excited about this series. This is something that's been on my heart, and it's the, the title of the, the sermon series is Discovering Hope. God wants us to discover hope. And I think when I, when I look around our, our news and we look around our world, I realize that what the world needs right now is hope. And the church of Jesus Christ is the hope. I think that Jesus didn't just die to stay in the grave. He died and he rose again to give us hope, to give us life, to give us a future. And I want to encourage you to hold on to hope. Don't let the news, don't let the media, don't let anything detract you or hold you back from the fact that God has hope for you. In fact, there's been a verse that's been in my heart recently entitled, it's from John chapter 1 verses 4 and five it says this in him was life and that life was the light of mankind now listen to this the light shines in the darkness it's speaking of Jesus and the darkness has not overcome it what strikes me about this verse is the fact that Jesus he is the light he is the hope he is the light that shines in our dark world. And God is wanting us as his church to be mirrors, to reflect hope and light to the world. And can I just encourage you, whenever you're talking to people online or on the phone, would you just say, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. He's got hope for you. We have the great privilege of being hope dealers, hope bearers. We get to take hope to people. And I want to encourage you, through this series, we're going to be looking at how God is going to be here with us to give us hope. Now, listen, fear is an antidote. Fear is often an antidote to our faith, but God wants our faith to be an antidote to our fear. And hope, hope is the antidote to our despair. And so I want to encourage you to hold on to hope. And if you're looking for a way to continue to grow in your faith, I want to invite you to join us this upcoming weekend. Pastor Jim is going to be sharing a message. He's continuing his series entitled Fearless. He wants, God wants us to be fearless in our faith, to hold on to him. And he has a message to deposit for you. I want you to listen to this quote by A.W. Tozer. He says this, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. And you know what? That's you and I. We get the great privilege of being a fearless church. We get the opportunity to show the world what a faith in Jesus Christ does. It makes us fearless in the face of fear. It keeps us strong in the difficult moments. Speaking of church, I want to invite you to participate with us. Spread the fact that you are part of a fearless church. And I want to invite you to use a hashtag Hashtag church, Westover Church Online. We want to participate with you. We want to connect with you. We want to invite you to share what God is doing in your life. We want to continue to hear from you as staff. We want to know what God's doing in your life. And so share through this hashtag, Westover Church Online. You can tag us at Westover Hills. We'd love to hear from you. Now, as you gather with your family today, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to remind each other that we're going to be all right that we're going to be all right because God's God's got us and because God's got us we have each other we don't have to be afraid because God is holding us together God has got you he's holding fast to you even when it feels like everything is slipping away 
He's here to hold on to you. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you future. And with that in mind, I want to share a message with you today entitled, How to Defeat Worry. Now, the honest truth is I was going to entitle How to Win the Worry War, but if I'm real honest, that was a tongue twister for me. So I went ahead and I decided to entitle it How to Defeat Worry. There's some verses in the Bible that give us some insight about how we can defeat worry in our life. You know, worry, it's a fruitless activity. It doesn't take us anywhere. In fact, someone one time said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't move you forward. It doesn't advance you in life. And many of us, we have spent the past couple of weeks worried and afraid but God is calling us to something better. He's calling us to move forward. He's calling us to advance. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The truth is worry is a fruitless activity. It doesn't advance us at all. It keeps us fearful and afraid. It keeps us from advancing. It makes us stressed out. It makes us overwhelmed. It makes us depressed. And then we worry even more that we can't seem to get past where we're at. I want to encourage you to break the worry cycle today. Learn today how to defeat worry through the word of God. Now I want to share with you about a man in the Bible by the name of the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about the life of the Apostle Paul, he had a really difficult time. He was thrown in jail, he was uh, put in prison, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was left for dead, he was even imprisoned. And he wrote this book, the very last book of his ministry entitled Philippians, the book of Philippians. And if you know anything about the book of Philippians, what you'll discover is that in that moment, the apostle Paul is in prison. The Christians are being persecuted. They're facing difficulty and struggle. And he is facing execution. But yet, he is still encouraged. And the reason he's encouraged is because he knows that the God of heaven is still on the throne and that he is taking care of him and that he's working everything out for his good. He also knew, he also knew that there were people watching him. There were other believers watching him and how he was living. I think that the greatest testimony of our life of our faith walk is how we endure suffering. And so can I encourage you even in this season to suffer well, to suffer well, to be like the Apostle Paul. There are some things that we can learn from him. You know, I find that, that Paul, he wasn't defined by what confined him. He found a way to transcend beyond the shackles that were holding him fast. He found a way to transcend the bars and the prison that he was in. He may have been in prison, but he wasn't in prison in his heart. He was free. He wasn't worrying. He wasn't concerned. Not to say that he didn't have difficulties. He had significant challenges. He was going blind. He was facing difficulty, but yet he had a faith and a trust in God. Today, I want to encourage you. We are not defined by what confines us. We are defined by what aligns us, and that is love. That is the love of God coming down to us. And then the love that we get to share with one another. Listen to this verse in John 13, 35. It says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love 
one another. It is the mark of a believer. It's the birthmark of the believer is love. When we demonstrate love, people see that there's something different about us. And in the dark moments, that's when the light of the gospel shines the very brightest. When we're willing to shine the light of Jesus, it shines the very brightest in dark moments. And we get the opportunity to share love with other people. And so I want to challenge you. Find ways to love your neighbor. Find ways to love someone who's shut in. Find ways to love someone who is in need. Be willing to take groceries to someone. Be willing to to pick up things that people need. Be willing to be generous. Be willing to give sacrificially so that other people can see the love of God and say, there's something different about that person. God wants us to demonstrate that there's something fundamentally different about us and what that is is love. Show love to one another. Now I know that church is canceled and we can't gather together but I wanna reassure you that today our love is not canceled because the church isn't a building. It's a people, it's a family, it's the body of Christ. And I wanna share a poem with you that I found online. It's by a gentleman who wrote a book uh, talking about hope and life. His name is Jamie Turkowski. He wrote a poem called Not Canceled. I've adapted it and I wanna share it with you. Even though our church gatherings are canceled, worship will not be canceled. Conversations will not be canceled. Relationships will not be canceled. God's truth will not be canceled. Faith will not be canceled. Hope will not be canceled. Love will not be canceled because God is bigger than our burdens, faster than our fears, wiser than our worries, stronger than our storms. The coronavirus cannot cancel the love and the family of God. In fact, Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon formed against us will prosper or prevail. And so if you find yourself in a place where you are despairing, where you are worrying, know that the army of God is fighting for you. You know that the weapons that are coming against you will not prosper. That's what the word of God promises and we can hold on to that. So with that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Philippians chapter four. We're going to look at a couple passages together. And I actually have four ways to defeat worry, but I'm only going to share three with you today. In fact, if you want to get the fourth, I want to invite you to follow me online. I'm going to share the fourth tonight with you. It's one more way that you and I, we can defeat worry worry. So I want to invite you to join me online tonight. The first way to to win the worry war and to defeat worry is to pray first. Now turn to somebody with you and say, pray first. Turn to the other person and say, pray first. Oftentimes what happens in life, we forget to pray and we end up worrying And I have found in my own personal life, this isn't me coming as a pastor. This isn't me coming as a counselor. This is me personally. There are times when I worry. And what I found is that worry is prayer that doesn't include God. When we worry, we're actually praying and hoping that things don't come to pass. But what we do is we actually exclude God out of the picture. We say, God, I'm gonna worry about this all by myself. But the Apostle Paul, he gives us another solution and that's to pray first. Let's take a look at verses six and seven. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. He's saying, 
no to anxiety and worry, and yes to presenting every situation to God. Listen to what he says. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Let me pause there for just a moment. What we see is there's four types of prayer there. The first is a prayer, and that is just a request to God. The second is a petition. That is when we intercede on behalf of someone else. So if there's somebody sick, if there's somebody in the hospital, we present a petition to God. We intercede on their behalf. The third prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. That's when we say to God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you've blessed me. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for the health that you've given me. And then the fourth is a request. And a request is a demand. That's when you go to God and you tell him, I'm holding you at your word. You've promised that no weapon formed against me will prosper. You're, you've told me that you've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And God, I'm holding you to it. I'm demanding that your, the truth of your word would be true for me today and in my circumstance. And we can come to God and do that. We can present all of those things to him. And what he promises is that the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Oswald Chambers says this, prayer is our first line of defense, not our last resort. If I'm honest, there are moments when I forget to pray and I worry. But what he's saying here is this is our first line of defense. If we're willing to pray first, say it with me, pray first. Turn to somebody and say, pray first. If we're willing to pray first, God can break through and cut through the worry and the anxiety in our life. You know, my son, Aiden, he recently had a school project. He was given the task of building a musical instrument and he built a xylophone. And I'm like, Aiden, why exactly would you pick a xylophone? That's like the hardest thing to build. Well, we went ahead and we were successful. We built it and he was supposed to turn it in this week. But as you know, he's at home. We weren't able to turn it in. But right after he built it, what we noticed is that the, the box that it was made out of started to flex and it started to break. And he came to me and said, dad, look at this. It's broken. It's not working. It's falling apart. And he presented it to me. I said, son, give it to me. I said, son, give it to me. So I found a way to support it and to strengthen it. He said, dad, thank you. Thank you for fixing my instrument. Thank you for fixing this situation. I didn't know how to fix it. I began to think about how God is with us. God is our heavenly father. And sometimes when we can't seem to see a solution, God is saying, I need you to give it to me. I need you to hand it over to me. For you see, prayer is how we take problems to God. It's how we show God. We say, God, here is my problem. Here is my concern. Here is my worry. We present it to him. Whatever you're worried about, can I encourage you today, even right now, to say in your own heart, God, I give it to you. There's things I can't control, but I give it to you. And I'm asking that you would give me peace instead. As I was preparing this message, one thing that was in my heart was this one statement, God is gonna fix it. God is gonna fix it. Now, I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's somebody who's facing divorce. You just got the divorce papers. Maybe it's a job situation, possible layoff. Maybe it's a health issue. Whatever it is, 
If you feel a tug in your heart, God is saying to you, I've got you, I'm gonna fix it. If you're just willing to present it to him, he's gonna take care of it. And you're gonna be on the other side of this, giving him the glory. This is what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1. I know the one in whom I have believed. He had faith and confidence in God. He knew that God was gonna show up for him. He knew that God had a plan and a purpose for him. In fact, he even wrote in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, he says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There's a power within your life that comes from the Holy Spirit. And what he wants to do is he wants to do more than you can ask or even imagine and all we have to do is just say God I need that power I need your Holy Spirit to invade me I need you to transform my mind I need you to take care of this situation for me and it says this that when we do that it will be to his glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever amen when we're willing to take these prayers and petitions to God and he makes a difference and he shows his immeasurable power, it communicates to everyone around us that our God is bigger and greater than the storms we face. He's bigger and greater than the challenges we're encountering. He's bigger and greater than any diagnosis, any sort of job financial issue. He is bigger and greater because he can do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine he's a good father and he knows what we need. Another way to defeat worry is to change your thinking. Now many of us, what we notice is that we're ruminating on things. We're thinking about the same thing. We're watching the news. Can I just encourage you? If the news has got you down, just turn it off. Find something else to watch. There's better things. There's things that are more uplifting. Find ways to encourage yourself. But sometimes we need to change our thinking. And part of the reason why the media goes ahead and spreads negative news is because it captures our attention. But the Apostle Paul gives us another solution, another way to defeat worry. And listen to this. He says this in verse eight and nine. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There's a connection between what we think about and the peace of God. And many of us, we, we want the peace of God, but we haven't gotten rid of the things that we're thinking about. We must be willing to change our thinking. We need to shift our thinking onto God thoughts, onto the things that he's describing here. Some of us, honestly, we need to stop our stinking thinking. Turn to somebody and say, stop your think- stinking thinking. Stop your stinking thinking. Some of us, we have thinking that just doesn't advance our family, doesn't advance the will of God, and we need to leave that behind. For you see, thoughts and attitudes, they're contagious. So what are you spreading? In your family, what are you spreading? Are you spreading the things that are described here in this passage, or are you spreading negativity and worry and fear? What the Apostle Paul is telling us is that we need to change our thinking. We need to put our mind on the things of God and that when we do that, what he will do is he will give us peace. 
I want to encourage you parents to be very mindful about what you watch on the news and the things you talk about in front of your kids. They may be silent, but they are listening. And oftentimes what will happen is our kids won't tell us the things that they are worried about, the things that they're fearful about. For you see, as adults, we have all the capacity to take care of ourselves, but our kids are relying on us. And when we worry, they worry, and they won't tell us that they're worried. So we as parents, we need to steward very carefully what we allow into our house via social media or via the news, and we need to be very careful about what we say. For you see, this passage, this is what it says in verse nine. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Anything that we do, our kids are gonna exercise in their life. And if we're not in the habit of exercising out our faith and talking about the goodness and the faithfulness of God, they're gonna internally worry. We need to be willing to steward very carefully and be willing to not only change our thinking, but also make sure that we're spreading the word and the light of God. I wanna share with you this verse eight through the message version. Listen very closely. Summing it all up, Friends, I'd say you'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the the beautiful, not the ugly, things of praise, not things to curse. This is a moment for us as the church of God to stand up and say, yes, it's challenging, yes, it's difficult, but my God is greater, my God is stronger, my God can make things happen. He has hope and a future, he's got peace, he's got beautiful things for you, he's got lovely things for you, he he wants you to focus on what is praiseworthy and what is excellent. We get that great opportunity to serve people in that way. And the third way to defeat worry is to just worship. To just worship. Verse four says this, verse four and five says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. What the apostle Paul is saying here is just in case you missed it, just in case you didn't realize, if you didn't hear me the first time, you can rejoice. In every circumstance, we can rejoice. We can give God praise in the most difficult of moments. Verse five says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. When when the world sees God working in us, they see a gentleness, they see the peace of God in our life. And then what happens through worship is the Lord is near. I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but I need the Lord near in this moment. I need the Lord near in this moment. And if I'm real honest, there are moments when I'm at home and I worry. I worry about the future. I worry about the challenges my kids are gonna encounter. I worry about all of these different things and I don't know what's gonna happen. But what I've discovered is that whenever I worship, it cuts through that. It cuts through the fog of my worry. It cuts through the fog of my anxiety and I discover that God is close. He's right there. So for me, as your pastor, but as a fellow believer, worship is my weapon for worry. 
It's the one thing that cuts through my worry and my anxiety. And I think it's the one thing that the enemy wants to steal. He wants to steal our worship. He wants us to get focused on what's happening on the world, the challenges, the difficulties, and that actually is a form of worship. When we're focused on the things that are happening around us, we don't have the focus to worship the king. Recently, I was at a conference and I heard this quote by Pastor Mark Batterson. He's in our fellowship. He's a spirit-filled believer and this is what he says. Worship reminds God of who he is. Worship reminds Satan of who he was. And worship reminds us of who we are becoming. And so I wanna encourage you today, I wanna invite you to join us, to join me and the team We're gonna worship God. We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus. We're gonna seek his heart. We're gonna seek his face. And we're gonna ask him, God, would you come close? Would you be near to us? Would you speak life and truth to us? Would you help us overcome the worry and our unbelief? Let's go to the Lord and let's worship him together.